She keeps them always shining in a pretty cabinet. Decorate she says, just like Marie Antoinette. A building remedy for Chris Job and Kennedy. At any time, an invitation you can take. Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Snow White and the Huntsman and the Queen. Uh, my name is Tom Chick, and I am joined, of course, by Christian. Now I get it. Christian Milansky. That was not Christian Milansky. That was Kelly Wand, who will have a tagline for us in just a moment. But before Kelly Wand, we have Christian Milansky. No, no. My name is Virginia. I'm from Milansky. And that's a jump into another movie, which right. we'll get to as well. That's even very good. Than what I did. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Wan, do you have a tagline for either Snow White and the Huntsman or John Carter, which we will also be discussing, and I'll explain why in a second. Um, I'll do a John Carter one later if I think of one, but the Snow White one is, it's like Prometheus for girls, even though it's not the one with prom in the title. Dense with meaning. I'm going to have to unpack that one mentally for a while. While I do that, Dingus, why don't you tell folks about this Snow White and the Huntsman movie that we saw this week? All right. Well, this week we saw Snow White and the Huntsman. Mm. It's a 2012 British-American action fantasy movie. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. All of those? That's okay. my favorite subgenre after yes. Norwegian ones. <laughs> Uh, it's about a huntsman who has to f- go find a girl in some dark woods. Uh, the movie was directed by Rupert Sanders mm. and written by Evan Doherty, John Lee Hancock, and Hossein Amini, with uh, production cool. design by Dominic Watkins. Mm. It stars Charlize Theron, Chris Hemsworth, Kristen Stewart, Brian Gleason, and... You yeah. know what? Just discover the rest of the cast yourself. Awesome. There's there's some great surprises in this cast, and I think you should just go watch it and discover those things for yourself. I don't want to ruin them. Anyway, Snow White and the Huntsman is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of violence and action and brief sensuality. Um, uh, what? Wait, so if it's brief, it's worse, they're saying. It's sensuality, it's brief, it involves white liquid and... Oh, oh, right, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute! You made it sound gross, Dingus. Oh, I'm sorry. It involves milk. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're still making it sound gross now that you put that you in. Made it weird. All right. Yeah. You made it weird. Sorry. It's it involves a naked back and there's no uh, a naked back. Wait, that's uh, now nudity in America. Yeah, a naked back is nudity. Planet America. Uh, imagine a woman whose back is naked and a bowl of milk. When don't I? The. Uh. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, that is the specifics for Snow White and the Huntsman that are Huntsman that are, that are, <laughs> that are spoiler free. Yeah. The Huntsman. It, it is hello, hello, Mish. What are you doing? They already made that one. Uh, now I should warn you, we are going to spoil it for you in just a moment. But and this will probably be after the synopsis. Uh, I really want to talk about this movie in relation to John Carter. Uh, so, after the synopsis, I should warn you, there might also be John Carter spoilers. If you haven't seen it, you probably haven't, considering its box office performance. Um, you might want to be careful of our spoilers. Uh, oh, but you know what? Before I do that, I'm sorry, it's my turn now to say, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman 
has actually been doing very well at the box office. Uh, it had a nice $56 million opening weekend. Uh, I think it even, did it beat Men in Black 3? Uh, at any rate, it's doing very well. Uh, it's Sandler. It's third week beat Adam Sandler's opening weekend. And it's yeah, it's number it's yeah, in its third week, it's number four. It's still in the top five. Uh, I think it's going to have legs. Um, so commercially, it's doing well. Critically, not so well. On Metacritic, which gauges the average rating of movie reviews that use ratings, it's at fifty-seven. On Rotten Tomatoes, which just weighs whether a review is positive or negative. For instance, on Rotten Tomatoes, I think, what was it, like 75% of the reviews were positive for uh, Prometheus. Really? Uh, yeah. But uh, for Snow White and the Huntsman on Rotten Tomatoes, 48% of the reviews are positive. So 52% of the reviews don't like Snow White and the Huntsman. More people like Prometheus than Snow White. More reviewers, uh, yes, wrote positive reviews of Prometheus than of Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, I have a theory. I figured out what the percentiles mean. It's how much of the movie you should watch before walking out. <laughs> but if it's a murder mystery, it's how far from the end you come in at. So you see the end. Of, did it. What if it's Memento? Right. But that's a 98. Yeah, but that just screwed up. So you don't watch the first 2% of Memento? You watch it backwards, <laughs> but from the beginning. <laughs> What? Uh, so that's the math portion of the podcast. Yeah. Let's, Kelly Wand. Um, so we all have seen John Carter. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll get into that in, in a bit. But Kelly Wand, first of all, why don't you explain to listeners a little bit of uh, what actually happened in this Snow White movie? Maybe a, a, a sort of a, a plot recounting, perhaps. Oh, you mean a Snow White and the Hunts Mopsis? Awesome. <laughs> Yes, rock and roll. I want to hear that. All right. By the way, did you read? I read uh, this week that um, Brad Pitt's World War Z is a troubled production. So, <laughs> surprise. They've solved the problem by taking the unusual step of hiring Prometheus scriptwriter Damon Lindelof to rework <laughs> the film's third act. Just want you, you to know. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> if anything, if. If anyone's got third acts nailed, it's Damon Lindelof. <laughs> well, I hated that book anyway, and it's just unfilmable, which is good, but I can't I imagine. Like... Oh, right. Good Lord. What I've heard sounds terrible, like what I read of the script. All right. Is it in production? So it's not in production. They're just they're just banging around on the script. It's been in production. No, it's been in production and (laughs) it's been in production and they're wow, awesome. That does sound like a troubled project. All right, great. Uh, I wonder how many acts they're working on. (laughs) Oh, good. Snow White and the Hunts Mopsis. Rock and roll. I missed the first few minutes of this movie due to a life or death medical emergency, which in Canada, not finishing your Molson at a nearby bar counts as. But based on the minutes I did see, I can fill in the blanks, I think. A little girl outruns Apaches, finds a cave, then teleports to Mars, where a king adopts her. Her name's Snow White, because the actress who plays her is a monochromatic brunette goth. The king's wife dies. Since I missed it, let's just say it was bone sickness. Before her funeral's over, the king gets horny, and his whole kingdom doesn't have a single chick he's into. So he rides around looking for ones to save who are at least high sixes, till he finds a low eight named Charlize Theron, who's being menaced by invincible soldiers made of the most unbreakable substance known to man, glass. 
understandably decides to marry her the next day. But while consummating the marriage, she stabs him in the pancreas and goes, this is what men do to women, exploit them for their beauty and discard them. And he's all, no, I totally get it. At least this is better than my last wedding night. Charlize Theron goes out to the balcony with her bloody knife and throws the king's body out the window so it lands on top of Snow White and gives her a concussion and knocks her out and goes, hey, I just killed your guy's king with a knife, although I also know magic, too, which makes it seem kind of weird. You guys wouldn't have heard of me before now. Anyway, I'm like queen now and stuff. The royal bureaucrat unfurls a scroll and goes, tis legal. Legal or not, just to be on the safe side, she enslaves everybody with the glass guys. And since Christian Stewart isn't there to give a speech yet, no one resists her. Because guys hate fighting, especially glass. Although Snow White's the only living genetic threat to her reign and the only cautionary prophecy she needs to keep track of throughout her lifetime is her downfall being caused by a young girl, instead of killing Snow White... She locks her in a dungeon of straw and cold stone for ten years, where she becomes emaciated, toothless, dehydrated, and neurotic. JK, it's Christian Stewart. Meanwhile, the queen uses her talking mirror to help hunt down young girls, because her mom one day told her, Honey, I know this will sound confusing, but you'll always stay beautiful and youthful looking, as long as no other chick within a certain radius looks or becomes prettier. But you also need to suck their youth away, too. I guess it's not like when they're born, but also not before they're hotter, in which case you're fucked. So, like, right before they're exactly as hot as you, also you gotta take baths and magic jism. At least the sales guy told me it's magic. Sometimes movies teach you something about yourself, and my takeaway while watching Charlize Theron emerge from the bath is that if someone offered me a donut shaped like Charlize Theron, I'd fuck it. (laughs) But not her shaped like a donut. I don't know, maybe. One day, the mirror tells Charlize Theron that Snow White's hotter than her as of now, but doesn't bother adding that this is also the day she's escaping. Thanks, Oracle. Sidebar. Even taking acting ability off the table, Christian Stewart's fairer than Charlize Theron, only on a scale of fair to awesome. Not that I'm not interested. Christian Stewart escapes from her dungeon by going down a water slide and flying off its ramp into a meadow and onto the back of a tame white horse ex machina that's just grazing there waiting for her. Shit, I thought Sam Worthington had it easy. She rides into a forest, chased by some horsemen who had to get theirs from stables, and also the queen's assistant, a guy named Finn, but not by the queen herself, because her magic sucks. Oh yeah, Charlize Theron also has a brother with a page boy, that she bosses around who looks nothing like her and I guess doesn't know magic, although he looks the same age. I couldn't tell what he thought about anything. Christian Stewart gets bored in the forest and eats some talking mushrooms and washes it down with some handfuls of runoff from the enchanted river of LSD. She hallucinates that the trees aren't talking to her and that her mom's not a jism witch and that she's not in a fairy tale forest and that Tarsum directed this one and that Julia Roberts wasn't miscast in the other one. Then she sees eight dwarves with mining equipment staring at her, and she's all, Whoa, this shit's really strong. And Dopey's all, Tell me about it. My name used to be Sober. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, (laughs) 
in the story, the mirror turns into a CG humanoid shape, so it can be more expressive and relatable to American audiences, despite its lack of a face or personality. Uh, says Charlie's Theron villainously. Guess I gotta find a new rhyme for the the on-the-wall part if you stay like this, huh? (laughs) And the mirror's all, beware a CG kiss from Thor. Uh, something, something, watch this movie no more. (laughs) And she's all, that's it, Thor! Guards, bring Thor the Huntsman here at once. And the mirror's all, um, she's not listening. The guard's already dragging Thor in. He's the Huntsman. Although, like Gale in the Hunger Games, we never see him catch any prey, including Snow White, except when she's dead. Thor's all, I am a Huntsman. My wife is dead. I thought she was a deer. The lighting was bad. Plus, she was lying in bed. What do you want from me? And Charlize Theron's all, Hey, so my mirror told me I have to eat my stepdaughter's heart to keep looking young, so I need you to go kill her and bring it to me. The heart, FYI, not the mirror. And he's all, You want me to hunt? What do I look like? And not a mirror? Never. And she's all, Do me this service, huntsman, and I shall bring your beloved wife back from the dead. And he's all, Meh, Gladys and I weren't really going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know her name. I improved on the movie, as usual. And she's all, you are a brave man of principle. Guards, slay him. And he's all, whoa, whoa, ixnay on the ang, slay. I'm in. <clears throat> That's my uh, Chris Hemsworth. Thor rides heroically into the forest and sees Christian Stewart yawning in a glade, being fanned with maple fronds by eight tiny old men, and goes, sweet, no competition, stupid queen. And up they ride together into a slightly greener forest with a white stag and a turtle that likes them. (laughs) Because magical forest creatures with exotic pelts and shells love huntsmen. So much movie left. The queen sends some fuckheads to chase them down, and guess the extra dwarf dies. I guess because Doc isn't one of his companions. The fuckwad I saw Snow White with cried when Gus died, or yawned. Hard to tell. Some chicks use the same face for everything. Ooh. Uh, TMI. Too soon. More shit happens. Then the queen finally leaves the castle and finds Snow White instantly and effortlessly. But instead of killing her, poses as her brother and holds out an apple and goes, Hey, remember that old game Apple Break we used to play that somehow I, secretly, Charlize Theron, know all about? And Christian Stewart's all, Yeah, and takes the apple and eats a bite. <laughs> like in the story. And laughs, and then suddenly stops laughing. And then she's all, hey, this apple's not poison. What are you changing the rules of our favorite childhood game for? And Charlize is all, oh, wait, sorry, and takes the apple back and then covers it with poison. And then Snow White eats it and dies. I don't know if I get that joke. The the Huntsman shows up with his sword, so she turns into a flock of birds that can't fight back against a sword, and he kills a bunch of them, and then she finally remembers she can fly away, and that was the idea, and retreats back to her castle and turns back into Charlize Theron. And her feathers are all bloody, because her magic sucks. They bring Christian Stewart's lovely decomposing body back to town, and the queen takes no interest even when word gets out that apple poison can only be diluted by male saliva. So every dude in the village takes a whack at kissing Snow White's carcass, and then the huntsman shows up and tongues her, and she comes back as a zombie who makes an inspirational speech, firing them all up to die (laughs) by calling every man there except the huntsman, I assume. 
her brothers, but only the dudes, because she's the only chick who can fight thanks to her decade of manacled malnourished deprivation. <laughs> That's why the armor fits, too, probably. The CG storms the CG, and the queen doesn't do any magic till a couple guys are in the throne room, then she makes a couple of her glass shard guys. But the knights defeat them by chopping them into smaller shards, and I guess there's like a minimum threshold, size-wise, to be able to make shard guys who lose constantly. And never kill anybody. The two female leads wrestle for a bit. Then Christian Stewart's all, Hey, remember how my father died? Not that my character would, since I wasn't in that scene. And Charlize Theron's all, Yeah, he was lying on top of me and implausibly didn't notice a dagger on the body of the chick under him till it was too late, which I admit was underhanded to me, and the sign of someone without a conscience. Girk! Christian Stewart stabbed her in the pancreas. Since her magic sucks, she dies. Ha ha, I'm queen, says Christian Stewart. Tis... Paralegal, the old man lovably screeches. Christian Stewart is crowned Christianity Stewardess while everybody <laughs> waits for the scene to be over. And the huntsman walks around smiling at us. The music swells and Christian Stewardess parts those goth lips to proclaim something profound about the challenges her domain faces in the wake of all this CG and political upheaval. But then shuts her mouth and just tears up a little as the swell music swells and swells again goes on swelling ever after. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, I'd like to start the bidding off with "Ha ha, Tom likes Snow White." He sure does. I did, was you say, did you call it an unspirational speech just then? Yeah. What? I, I mean, you know, I'm more of a Cinderella or Cinderfeller. I stop talking for an hour. Go. Uh, yes, I, I loved this movie. So I, I, I'm the one that wanted us to see it, and I specifically wanted us to see it to compare it briefly, to, to bring up some points of comparison to John Carter. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but so much of what I liked about this might have been situational, in that I went to see it right after sitting through uh, Prometheus. Mm. Uh, I Palette cleanser. I, all I knew about it was I think I'd watched the trailer at some point before I really knew what it was. And I was like, oh, that looks like cool visuals. I'd had a friend of mine say uh, that he didn't hate it. And um, <laughs> and I, I like uh, I, I really like Charlize, Charlize Theron in Prometheus. So I was like, well, you know what? I want to go see her in another movie as a sort of a Charlize Theron palate cleanser. Um so I, I had low expectations for it. I knew it was one of two Snow White projects, not the Tarsem one, so I expected that it wouldn't be the more visually stunning, whatever. Uh, and I, I, I was just very pleasantly surprised. You know, Dingus mentioned the casting. Uh, I had no idea that they were going to do what they did with the dwarves, and that was a, just such a pleasant surprise. Most of the way through the movie, I was assuming there weren't going to be any dwarves because that would just be stupid. Uh, and so when the dwarves did show up, I was like, wow, what a great idea. What a great thing to do with dwarves. Um, it kind of took a page from Peter Jackson's, hey, we're not going to, we're going to use real people to play hobbits. Like, I loved that bit of the dwarves. Um, I certainly, you know, I understand it has some problems. Uh, even though Kristen Stewart was at times pretty weak, I actually kind of liked her. Uh, I loved the visuals. Um, the third act just went nowhere. I could have lost most of that. And that unspirational speech was oh, just just deadly. Uh, I just felt so bad for her. Uh, and I could have done without that. But, yeah, for the most part, I really, really liked this. Um, and I think ultimately uh, this is how you do like a fantasy science fiction movie where John Carter failed on every front. Like, John Carter, I think, is a huge failure. It's not an offensive, terrible movie like 
Prometheus, but John Carter is just flat out boring. Whereas this, I thought, was exciting, was refreshing, had some great cool stuff in it. It knew how to use its actors. Everything John Carter fumbled, I think Snow White and the Huntsman got right. Um, so, yes, Kelly Wand, you're right. I do like it unapologetically. What do you think of that? You're a girl and a dumbass. But there were 20, there's like 30 good minutes of John Carter towards the end, I thought, where I was kind of like not bored by it. In, in what movie? Uh, you guys. <laughs> uh, so you you were not super into the Snow White movie then? Like you, you would not was, recommend that? Well, I didn't see it right after Prometheus. I, I mean, see. That's kind of cheating, I think. You, you might have a point, yes. Uh, all right, well, let's then get a tiebreaker in here, Kelly Wand. Do you know of anyone who could maybe... Uh, oh, Dingus, you. What did you think of Snow White and the Huntsman? I loved it. How do you not love this movie? I don't understand. Well, lots of people didn't. So, interestingly enough, uh, John Carter is higher... <laughs> tell you why, just going, I, 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 I. <laughs> Growling like a troll. Lots of people didn't love... Uh, the Snow White movie, as we saw from Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. And, interestingly enough, John Carter is doing better on Rotten Tomatoes than Snow White. What? Yeah, John Carter uh-huh. is unmitigatingly horrid. No way. And, and I sat down in Snow White, and I just fell for it right away. I, yeah. I, you know, p- part of it is Charlize Theron is so good. Yeah. And, and the weird thing is you lose her for this huge part of the movie. And I kind of felt bad about that, but then I thought on balance that it worked. Because like you, Tom, I, I know it's po- – I'm guessing um, that it's popular to hate on Kristen Stewart. Uh, but I really liked her in this a yeah. lot. I mean, she has problems. That speech is horrible. She does some a couple of line readings that just – I was just like, that's not how you say that line. But her melancholy and her sense of life and and partly how the dwarves react to her and kind of generate life in her it's just i think she's great and, and her melancholy and i just like her i mean I, I haven't seen any of the twilight movies and i really didn't like this movie adventureland that she was in but i really liked her and well, i liked her in this Dingus, i'm so glad you used that word because i mean she does have something that a lot of actresses of her generation don't really have i mean typically there's this sort of bubbly liveliness uh and and she has a real gravity about her i like dingus i haven't seen the twilight movies either but even though she's not that good she's not that dynamic uh i i you know she, she's watchable and she's got a, a, a it's like dingus said like she's got a melancholy to her that fits the part really well i think um i can't get into her okay and i mean well, she's just room. she's not shallow though i mean she's mm. i don't I, I mean when i think of snow white for some reason i think of a fairy tale and this the from the beginning of this movie it it lets you know what world we're in and and you know the the queen pricks her finger and blood falls and the, that equals pregnancy and you get you get generated into this fairy tale world but it's not light it's not skimming the surface of a fairy tale like what i imagine disney world is uh and i think kristen stewart is perfect she has layers layers to her i mean again she's not very good in certain respects but i really really liked her it's so here i'll just bring up the first contrast john carter also has a very shallow lead like a Taylor Kitsch, I think, kills so much of John Carter. That guy just, just like light and charisma and energy just bounces off of that guy. He's got <laughs> nothing. I, I mean, and I just, he killed John Carter for me. I mean, John Carter could have been better if it had someone moderately engaging or watchable or charming or 
just comparing what happens when you take a, a not very great actor. You know, I think Kristen Stewart and, and Taylor Kitsch both qualify for that. Uh, you know, I, w- their roles in these respective movies, I think, make a huge difference. Um, even though I'm not crazy, like even though there doesn't seem to be a lot of range to what Kristen Stewart does, uh, she was just very watchable compared to the Taylor Kitsch fellow. Um, yeah, but it's Mars and guns are shooting and shit. It's way better. Well, see, um, there's another thing. You mentioned it's Mars. I got no sense of the, the production <clears throat> design in I the job. And the production design in the Snow White movie had this great, distinct look to it. And it was all, you yeah. know, Dingus mentioned Disney. It was all these Disney tropes, but with a much darker adult perspective on them. You, you know, like little, like the, the birds, for instance. You know, the two birds we know in the cartoon that dress Snow White, they played with it, but they were just regular birds that fly around that later have these weird little fairies inside of them, these creepy little green avatar people. Um, or the little, the they were like singing the equivalent of singing mushrooms uh and the way that it's shot with this kind of photorealism where the edges of it where, where you know the focus is on one area and then the the rest of the area is kind of blurry like it's it's shot as if it's like a realistic realistic photography versus this cg sheen in john carter where everything looks like a freaking cartoon and it's colorful it's it's like a it's it's a classic disney movie you know i recently watched uh that 1954 20,000 leagues under the sea and it was just like all colorful and activity and john carter reminded me of that it's just oh let's just throw a bunch of activity and color at the screen and it'll and i there, there, that world had no sense of mystery or depth to me whereas the world of snow white that that was stunning to me. Like I, I don't think I'd ever really seen anything like that. Uh, even the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies didn't have that kind of weird magical feel to them so consistently. Um, I love the production design in this movie. I love it. And and the thing that one of the key lines of John in John Carter is uh, when the camera pulls back and and you just hear him yell, "Where on earth am I?" And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, John Carter. Because this, there's nothing Mars-like. You've you've not introduced me to a world at all. Yeah. it's just it just looks like you're out in the desert in Arizona, Nevada. Yeah, Arizona, Nevada. Yeah. And <laughs> he's supposed to be from Virginia, and he's supposed to have a southern accent. And they go, "Oh, it's southern accent." Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing, too, is there were long stretches of, of Snow White that had no dialogue. And I thought that was kind of brave and, again, very adult. John Carter, someone's constantly talking or doing exposition or trying to do gags. Uh, the Snow White movie, just because maybe because the director, I think his name is Rupert Saunders, is a commercial director, he just let the visuals do the talking for long stretches. Uh, and I loved that. I thought that was very brave and, again, a very adult thing to do. It wasn't constantly throwing activity at the screen. And, and uh, you know, it, it trusted itself to just shut up and show us cool stuff. And I wish more movies would do that. So dialogue equals childish. Dialogue for the sake because you're afraid to be quiet, yes, is is equals childish. Yep. Why would they be afraid? They should be afraid the more Taylor Kitsch talks. <laughs> Well, they don't, you know, that's the thing is they don't have him talk, like they have him talk, but they're constantly throwing other actors in there. So here's another thing. I didn't know this, but John Carter stars Thomas Hayden Church and Willem Dafoe. What? You would never know. Two of the CG characters, you know, those four-armed dudes. Oh, they get. I thought I heard Nick Nolte in there. Is he not in there? uh, Not that I know of. Thomas Hayden Church, Nick Nolte on Speed. 
there you go, yeah. Uh, but but so they get these good actors and they swallow them under the CG versus what they do with Snow White with the dwarves. I mean, good Lord, that's an, it, dwarves are so, like, I don't know, a dwarf from a hobbit, whatever. You put a little short person in a movie, mystical, whatever. But to anchor these dwarves' personalities with famous, relatable people, I was like, holy cats, look, Bob mm-hmm. Hoskins, Eddie Marson, Ian McShane, uh, mm-hmm. uh, no, Ray Winstone. I loved that they did that because I don't need necessarily backstory about each particular dwarf. I just need a reason to be fascinated to look at them. And the fact that it's a recognizable actor in a crazy fake haircut thing, I, I loved that. I mean, the dwarves were actually interesting to me, and I cared about them. Uh, and I didn't care about any of those cartoon people in John Carter because they were just CG. Ian McShane saying cocksucker would have been an awesome grumpy, and I felt deprived of it. If it had been R-rated, maybe we could have had that, Kelly Wan, but we can't have that word in a PG-13 movie. I mean, John Carter didn't even have the courage to make its people red. Aren't, aren't, yeah. aren't the, 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 the uh, Martian, whatever, they're supposed to be red-colored, and instead they give them tattoos or what? They're also whatever. oviparous. Yeah. Oh, tattoos. That's, yeah. Hey, guess what their, their son's name is? John Carter and Dejah Thoris, they have a son. Uh, Bill Carter. Carthoris. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh-huh. dwarves were just such an embarrassment of riches. I mean, I just kept kept sitting there going, uh, it, how did they get all these guys in here? I, yeah. I don't, I was so, it was like, we're just going to bring the cast of 44-inch chest over and have them be the <laughs> Right. And see. <laughs> I was so pleased. I was just, I just loved those guys. And they were just, they were so touching. Um, and the reason I, I brought up uh, Brian Gleason, and he's the guy who played Gus. And, you know, whoever you went to see the movie with, I'm, I'm right there with that person as far as, uh, you know, the number of times I cried in this movie. Uh, I uh, felt, you know, I was, I was at the what? end, I was going to say something snarky about Kristen Stewart and she just was crying at ridiculous moments. And then I realized, ah, yeah, I did too. Uh, when Gus died, I cried too. I loved Gus. Gus was my favorite character. I've never seen that guy. Oh, you know, cause I thought you were going to say you knew who he was. Cause I didn't know who he was either. Dingus. And I, I thought I had no great. idea. I had no idea. I loved him. And it's Brian Gleason and he's the son of Brendan Gleason. Oh, holy cats. That's awesome. That is awesome, Dingus. Because uh, like the the missing famous British actor who should have been a dwarf. Instead, his son stands in for him. That's lovely. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think he, I think Gus is supposed to be um, Bob Hoskins' son. Bob Hoskins' son, yes. And uh, I just loved. He had so much power. He was just such a great. Oh, I love that character so much. So uh, Kelly Wand, whoever you went to see the movie with, who cried, I'm right there with that person. Yeah, I, was I would kidding. never. I would never admit that I cried, but in theory, I agree with Dingus. Because uh, oh. that's the thing, too, is I'm thinking, well, this is stupid. There's eight dwarves. Everybody knows you're supposed to be seven. Oh. Wait, wait. Okay, so if, if when <laughs> Ridley Scott... his body, and you know she's not going to be able to bring him back. There's not going to be any redemption for that. It's just he's done. Right. And that's another thing that's adult. I mean, you know, they... they... They kill a dwarf. You, you can't do that in a PG movie. I'm sure they didn't do that in the Tarsum one. Uh, yeah, but you know one's going to die because there's eight of them. So it's a spoiler. Isn't I didn't. I actually was thinking at times. I was thinking, oh, I'm just not counting right. Yeah. Uh, I was. Yeah. I was, yeah well, <laughs> Gus wasn't one of the seven names I remember. Well, I just thought it was a me issue and not a Snow White and the Huntsman issue. So wait, when Ridley Scott makes a Four Little Pigs prequel, and one of those pigs dies, and his name's also Gus because it's the most tragic name in the English language, you guys will cry for that pig too. <laughs> if the movie is as good as Snow White and the Huntsman, yeah. 
I like John Carter more. I guess I'm dumb. Well, here's another thing. Well, you know, okay, let's hear uh, part of why you like. Explain, Kelly Wand. What, what makes John Carter better for well, you? Well, I brought more baggage to it because I read those books. I binged on them when I was 20. Okay. I would, I would really like to hear you say something good about it because I tried. I didn't try. We, I watched it last night with my wife. She couldn't stay up for it. And it was just, I, I can't imagine liking anything. And if you know the source material and given how critical you were a few months ago about it, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. Because I'm with Dingus, too, is that it's not so much that I hated John Carter, because I hated uh, Prometheus, but John Carter was just, like, so flat and, and bland yeah. and, and, and just, it wasn't offensive. At least with Prometheus, I'd get angry about something. But John Carter was such a slog for me because I it was just so flat. So, Kelly Wan, what made John Carter better than the Snow White movie for you? Well, wait, I was going to say one other thing that's lame about John Carter. <laughs> Okay, just the exact opposite of what you asked me to say. But that's Andrew Stanton, the Wally guy. Right. right. Well, he's I'm, a I'm, Pixar guy. He's a uh, right. You know, right. But he's the lamer. Like he's the uh, he's like the Simon. West. Wait, he's the Bay, and then the other guy's <laughs> the Simon West. If that analogy makes any sense. But it's like he's really good. I thought the Earth stuff was kind of good, and I remember thinking that the Earth stuff in Wally was good. And then when it went to space, I didn't like it anymore. And that's kind of how I thought, thought in John Carter, too. Ah, you know, it's a good parallel. I can see that. Okay. okay. And I hated that it looked like Arizona. And it's even stupider that it looks like Arizona because you already have them in Arizona. So it's like, oh, look, it looks just like where he came from. Right. It's just fucking stupid. But for, like, 30 minutes towards the end, it kind of felt like... A, the only thing about Burroughs was his style wasn't poetic like Robert E. Howard's, but... He really had this really cool pacing, especially in the second one. It's like the action never let up. And there's like a 30-minute stretch of John Carter. Like everything, and it's really CG, but when he escapes from helium, there's like a bunch of stupid shit happens for about a half hour that feels kind of like Burroughs a little bit, <laughs> pacing-wise. And Snow White was just, I, Snow White was very languid for me. Maybe it's just the mood I was in at the time. Uh, I, I think... I would have loved to have seen uh, the John Carter movie be more adult, like R-rated. Because uh, yeah. I could just imagine if it was grittier, if they'd been sort of truer to that R-rated fantasy stuff that I think Burroughs kind of helped create, uh, you know, versus like the Tolkien uh, wholesome stuff. I, you know, I, I would have loved to see a movie drawn from that side of Burroughs, and instead it was just so Disneyfied. fied um, So that, that pacing that you talk about that might work for Burroughs... I, I, like there were, I didn't. The movie just yeah. it felt so long. And even though I do feel that the Snow White movie was a little too long and could have used, could have lost some of that last part. Like the 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 whole John Carter thing, like he's getting captured and escaping and captured and escaping and captured and escaping. It just yeah. went. It felt like it went on and on. And here's a battle scene, another battle scene, and a battle scene. Here's another. Oh, battle look, scene. he's jumping again. Great. He's a jump jump scene yeah. and a jump scene and a jump scene and oh look, he's jumping. Um, here, here, Kelly Wan, let me give you another example of why I liked Snow White and the Huntsman way better than John Carter. At one point, John Carter rolls out, and we've seen plenty of these. Uh, I think we can call it a, a, a movie trope now, a troll fight. You know, all this stuff probably goes back to rent the Rancor from the Star Wars movies. There's probably something that predates that, but that's the sort of the, the bucket that I put it in. It's like you, you need a Rancor fight. And whether it's a cave troll in Lord of the Rings or those gorilla things in John Carter or the troll in Snow White, you know, that's kind of familiar to us. Um, and by the way, a great variation on that is the movie Troll Hunter, which I recommend. If you mm -hmm. like seeing cool, big old monsters, uh, 
see the Troll Hunter movie. So anyway, we need that, of course, in these movies. So what John Carter does is it adds this really stupid troll fight in like the third act because it, it feels like the movie is flagging and it needs something to re-energize it. So they're like, just throw a troll at it. Give him a troll fight and uh, make it make a second troll come out. There, go. And I just it was all just CG jumping around and uh, I just hated that fight. Whereas... The troll fight that happens in Snow White and the Huntsman, I was like, okay, this is good. We'll have a cool action scene. I, I guess I'm ready for that. The movie's earned it. Let's see what you got. Rock and roll. And it ends up being character development. You know, it's yeah. not a troll fight. It instead, it makes us think we're going to see Chris Pine. Jeez, uh, Pete. Uh-huh. <laughs> it makes us think we're going to see Chris Hemsworth fight a troll, and we're going to have a cool thing, and he's probably going to stab it in the head or whatever. And instead, it subverts that expectation, and it reminds us that, hey, this troll, it's just part of the natural order, and now we're going to show you <laughs> that Snow White, here's a, here's, a, here's a little sort of foreshadowing that Snow White has this special relationship with nature. Uh, right. And, and that she doesn't fight the troll. And I loved, I found that moment so touching. And considering how many troll fights I'd seen and how typical and stale and boring they were to me, it was so nice to see a new twist on on that 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 sort of cliche. I loved the troll fight there. And it's not even Chekhov's troll either. He doesn't come back and gallop in. And yeah, see- <laughs> that's right. They don't bring him in to bust down the walls of the castle. You're right, Dingus. They could have done that. <laughs> it is beautiful. He, he just has this moment, and then he goes, okay, I'm thinking off. I loved that. I loved it so much. And it looked good, too. It really looked good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the John Carter comes out of a troll with his knife. That's cool. Yeah, that? how about that blue? Yeah. Uh, did you like that PG-rated blue blood, Kelly Wand? No, it's because it's Mars. <laughs> <laughs> you guys yeah, obviously are anti-science. This is about uh, religion, again. <laughs> I learned a lot of science from John Carter. Can, can I ask one? Well, wait, has Kelly Wand said what he liked about John Carter yet? Oh, that's right, Kelly Wand. I said I liked the half hour where it wasn't boring. <laughs> and the girl, that, that, it's like all the reasons I had to hate John Carter, I hated it for like months before I saw it. So by that time, I was like, all right, here I am. I already know what's, I'm going to hate about it. And so going in with that low bar, I guess that was my Prometheus, post-Prometheus uh, cheat, the way Tom... Uh, did you guys both see that together at Snow White after Prometheus? Oh, uh, no, 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 I... I we didn't go to Prometheus together either. Yeah, we uh, wait do that singly. Um, yeah. So the girl got more naked as John Carter went on. And but you know what? Again, though, Kelly, I you know I love a little cheesecake in my movies. I I would have liked more. Such Jane Seymour and Sinbad in the Iron yeah. But considering the screens I saw, it was at least a little thigh and it was a little red. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I just thought that the sensuality in Snow White was just way more sensual than anything in John Carter. You know, Lynn Collins, lovely, beautiful, statuesque woman, but she, there was nobody with the emotional weight and the sensuality of Charlize Theron and say what you will about Kristen Stewart. You know, at least watching that, I was like, well, you know what? She really is pretty. You know, I really she's not fairer than Charlize Theron. I, I realize that's part of the baggage this movie has. But, you know, she's. She's just got a lovely face, and she's got lovely white skin and beautiful lips, and I mean, she's a she's a beautiful girl. Um, so I just thought there was just much more sensuality in the Snow White movie than anything that the John Carter movie tried to do. Um, well, what I like about that that comparison is that the word fairer doesn't necessarily mean beautiful. 
I mean, it's talking about purity. It's talking about purity of blood, and it's talking about what it's talking about her bringing life. And yeah. she might be, she might not be um, the conventional idea of beauty as far as that mirror is concerned, but fairer has other meanings. And I like the way the the movie plays with how women are used and the role of women. And I, I thought that's what you were kind of going to try to go for when you were talking about doing a comparison between this and John Carter. God, did John Carter have anything to say about that, though? Well, the, the girl uh, guess, in it... Yeah. Is no, she was a scientist people. and a warrior. Yeah, oh, she's a scientist, <laughs> but she's being given away in marriage. And so the that's that sort of, oh, you have to go marry somebody, and I'm not going to do that. So there's there's sort of women being used in both movies. Although I found I found that, that woman, and I, I apologize for not looking up the cast of that movie, uh, I just found her completely not interesting. You're talking about Lynn Collins, the hot chick. Yeah, the hot chick. Right. Yeah, right. The only chick in the whole movie. Well, no. So actually, who? Oh, no, was... there's Sola. I mean, I like right. her. Uh, yeah, she was she's a... also, you know, she was like oppressed and betrayed by her father, but there was redemption there and whatever. But that's the thing is there. There was the the whole issue of of women. I loved how. First of all, let's look at the villains in each movie. Of course, I think we all agreed Charlize Theron just had so much fun with this. I mean, there was nothing for her to do in. Ugh, Prometheus, but she just had, I mean, just to she hear her, like, yelling and just so much great fun scenery <laughs> chewing. Um, she said, I think at one point she said, brother! Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, just crazy over-the-top villain stuff. But all of that had a foundation of a, a very real motivation and oddly progressive stuff, too, which the John Carter thing made a limp stab at, you're right. But there's right. this oddly progressive Get sense it. of she was a woman who didn't like... You know how men use women, uh, and how beauty is really important, and how that's like a that's something that, that women are held as a standard, and she ends up using it as a as a tool, like as an unfair standard applied to women, and she's going to use it as a tool to destroy men, and and she's also going to have to consume it from other women and become what she hates, and like I, I like there was a there was a cool villain there, whereas in John Carter, we have the guy from The Wire with a magic doodad. You know, like, he's the villain. Magic doodads, if your movie relies on a magic doodad, you've already failed. Oh, except when it's Avengers, then you guys love it. Uh-huh. But see, Avengers okay. isn't a magic doodad. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a guy who feels that he, it's a, it's a brother who feels that he deserves more. Like, he's using the magic doodad. Like, it's about Loki, Loki's motivation in the Avengers is far more interesting than the magic cube. And there's there, like Tom Hiddleston does a great job of playing with that. And similarly, Charlize Theron does a great job of playing with something more than than her spells. Like her spells, I don't know what was going on with them. I don't know what the rules were for them. I don't know how you mentioned she, she conveniently found Snow White at one point. And I didn't care. It didn't matter. What was more interesting to me was her motivation and her character. Um, whereas here we go, in, in John Carter, we have Mark Strong, who, a great actor, he doesn't even play himself in most of the movie. You know, he's the villain. At one point, an old lady is playing him, playing the villain. I mean, what is going on with that? And he's got that speech. I don't know. What was his motive? Like, he's he doing was... in a crowd, too. Like, that's when he, he wouldn't do what he's doing. Yeah, and, and but what was his, like, <laughs> their whole, that race of Nimbars or whatever they were called, like, what are they trying to do? I don't even remember. Therns. Like, therns, yes, thank you. Good God. <laughs> like, that's his motivation. If you're going to have one thing goofier than a doodad, then give me a magic race of galactic yeah, absorbers, whatever they were. We haven't, we haven't were. seen Mark Strong play a character like that since Sherlock Holmes. Good point. 
Very good point. So, yeah. I think I'm winning this argument. <laughs> <laughs> you can totally seal it up by bringing up William. Defoe? See, I liked William, but go ahead. Uh, oh, you did? I don't I, understand why that character is in this movie. I haven't uh, I'm, I'm, okay, uh, okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to hear this because I was very frustrated by William the Bowman, yep. and I have mm. no idea. I mean, he doesn't seem to serve any real purpose uh, that can't be covered by the Huntsman um, other than sort of the fake out, this kiss isn't going to work. Right. And I think, uh, I, don't, I don't get him. They definitely do a feint at a love triangle, and considering that Kristen Stewart's part of the most famous lucrative love triangle in the world in the Twilight <laughs> movies, you can kind of... Isn't that weird? It is kind of weird. But the, the William thing is kind of a fake out. Here's what I think is going on with the William thing. Do you remember we saw, what was that Nicolas Cage D&D campaign movie? Uh, the Witch? Season no. of the Witch. Season of the Witch, yes. So, the last episode of the podcast. Right. We, uh, we, did, we saw this terrible movie, and we did a podcast, and we lost it, but unfortunately... So you can't hear that. But the movie was basically one guy's like D&D campaign where he gets a thief and a warrior and a cleric and there's a female magic user or whatever. And they go on an adventure. And it's something that we all know. I say we all. It's something that many of us listening might know from D&D, whether it's like tabletop games we played or online, you know, computer RPGs. There's this idea that you need a party to have an adventure. You can't just have one or two people. So... Snow White and the Huntsman has the archer, he's the DPS character, Chris Pine is the tank, and Kristen Stewart is the healer. Chris Pine. <laughs> Chris uh, Hemsworth. She's the healer, but she dies, and then they heal her with kisses. But she mezzes the troll. What do you think of that? Oh, uh, yeah. So, in all seriousness... She mezzed the crowd at the end, too. I think it's just their... Tr- she, exactly. <laughs> Very good. See? Yeah. Uh, That's your superpower. Splitting up some of the character stuff, and they're wanting to pretend towards this love triangle. And Kelly Wan, you thought it was her brother, which makes it even a little creepier. (laughs) That is Uh, very funny. (laughs) That is very funny. Well, because Charlize had a brother, and I thought the whole thing was about it was like Dynasty, and everyone's related and fucking at the same time. Mm, Yeah, I don't think human centipede, but oh god. Uh, and let's talk point? about, uh, so my, my point was that, uh, yeah, William was a little superfluous, but I think they were just trying to split up uh, uh, you some of the character stuff. Uh, I, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's I the, cared about Snow White. I cared about Gus. I cried. What else did you guys cry about? Besides well, Gus I never said I cried. I don't know. You, you run it back. I don't yeah, know yeah, Kelly Wan. Well, let's talk about emotional payoffs, because Kelly Wan, what did you think of the emotional payoff in John Carter, where they <laughs> juxtapose... Uh, him in a battle and him uh, burying his wife. Did that? Did you cry during that part, Kelly Wong? Oh, God, yeah, that reminded me of a... Munich. That reminded me of the end of Munich. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Inappropriate yeah. juxtapositions, yeah. Sadly, I know what Dingus means. Exactly what he means. That was the shark jump for Munich, wasn't it? But John Carter oh, can't jump. John Carter's like shark jump, shark jump, shark jump, and then... Yeah, but see, I think that was supposed to be the the emotional payoff for John Carter, and it was just so clumsy. It was it? That's well, in the middle. Where, where else would where else would He's you? When he gets married, that's really exciting and glamorous. I don't think He's, that. I, he uh, goes, "I'm John. Car- I'm not John Carter of Earth. I'm John Carter of Mars." And he throws away the doodad into right. the desert, and then he's like, "Fuck!" But then he outwits that guy at the crypt. But it takes him twelve years to set up the plan, so he pretended he found it. I guess it took him 12 years to think of the plan, which Taylor Cl- Taylor Klitsch sells to me. <laughs> uh, don't let him talk. 
I would love to find out how Michael Shaban got onto this. Oh God! What? Yeah. What the hell happened? The screenwriter. He was on John Carter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think he has a screenwriting credit, doesn't he, Dingus? Isn't it? He definitely I does. Mean, yeah. 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 Just I know it can mean anything. I would just love to know how that happened. Did he just put an and in or something? I mean, what the hell? It I makes me want to hear a director's commentary with Michael Chabon. <laughs> I would love to hear that. Yes. Uh, here's a scene I wrote where he's remembering his dead wife. There is a director's commentary on the disc, but it, he's not on there. I think it's just Anderson and maybe a every movie's got to have a dead wife or a dead mom, which is interesting because it's like, who's the wife or the mom and the audience supposed to relate to? Kelly Wand, can you explain to me and John Carter what happened to Brian Cranston's character? <laughs> which one was he? So he was Powell. He's the guy that uh, John Carter rescues oh, yeah. and drags into the cave, and then he goes off to Mars, and then he comes back, and he was a skeleton. <laughs> what, what happened? I guess he died of starvation. And How so long? Killed quickly by the Indians, which John Carter saved him from. He saved him from a kind fate. Yeah. So All right, I'm going to go fuck this chick on Mars for a few months. See you later. Exactly. And then he just, so Brian Cranston is just like laying there wounded, and he starves to death and turns into a skeleton. That's kind of grim. Yeah. Not for the snakes, but... <laughs> well, I... Uh, okay, I was just wondering about that, so I, I am right. I also like that he just goes, something, something, Barsoom, and then it takes you... Like, he he just says the planet name, and then it takes you just anywhere on the fucking planet. Like, that's as specific as that thing gets. Uh, you'll have to ask a thern about that. <laughs> uh, now, compared to what would you guys say is the emotional payoff in uh, the Snow White movie? Kelly Wand, you probably didn't find any because you hated it. But uh, Dingus, what uh, what would you what would you say is the equivalent of the scene where John Carter is remembering burying his wife and slaughtering a whole bunch of Nimrods uh, while he remembers. and their steeds and their Nimrods and Nimrod steeds, right? Uh, I think it's all the dwarves jumping on the rope. Jumping on the rope? No, that's not it. The bell rope, you know, when they're constantly jumping on that. Or, or that awesome uh, moment where um, Ray Winston uh, recognizes uh, one of his poops. What? Yeah, I don't know. What, I was just struck by the... How Did you awesome. not... I, there's this great moment where the dwarves are going through the sewers, and, um, <laughs> and Ray Winston That doesn't goes, make sense that, to me either, but go on. That looks like one of mine. And he's clearly, they're talking about crap. They're talking about poop. All right, yes. That's great. That's, right. I think that's the emotional payoff. Are you- uh, all right, so I, I really dug the, I think they want it to partly be that goofy kiss and the confessional from Chris Pine, which I felt so sorry for the guy. I mean, I really like that guy a lot, but don't don't give him speeches like that anymore, please. Uh, I didn't I didn't really, that part didn't work for me, uh, and I sort of feel like it fell apart, but where, where it really peaked for me and where I was like, yes, wow, this is awesome, uh, the scene where she meets that huge deer, you know, that enormous, like, god heart or whatever that thing was supposed to be, like, that was a really cool, magnificent scene, I thought. I loved that bit. Uh, wasn't that... Uh, oh, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you because of how Bob Hoskins basically is saying, um, you know, he's describing for his son, he, it, it's that whole she's the one thing yes. where, where he says to his son, he's here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's here. And then you go to the heart and you have Bob Hoskins, who's blind, um, describing what's going on to his son who can see. Yep. And his emotion is just so full it's just a beautiful moment and that it's helped by the fact that that enchanted forest whatever it's called um 
sanctuary, I think, is what the dwarves call it. Uh, it just is so full of life and beauty. I can't stand how emotionally fulfilling that is. And it's, it, it, it's a, and it's a great... It, it's, the, it's, a, a, it's where good actors and good CG conspire to make a powerful moment. You know, it's everything that that Brontosaurus scene should have been in Jurassic Park. It's everything that was missing from... Prometheus. Uh, there was no counterpart to that in John Carter. You know, you show us something cool. You show us good actors expressing how cool it is. You situate it as a cool part and a cool reveal in the movie, and bingo, you've got a great emotional payoff. And that's what that giant heart scene, that deer scene, was for me in Snow White. I loved that bit. Um, all right, what do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Another troll that doesn't break down the door at the end. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what's beautiful? What's so beautiful about that scene too is that so many of the dwarves are annoyed by the fairies, yeah. and they're annoyed by where they are. And then when they see what's going on, they're just like, "All right, we'll follow her anywhere. That's fine." They're totally won over by her, and and that's what's brilliant about casting those actors is that as difficult as Kristen Stewart has. As an actor, as difficult a time as she has. And I think there's moments, that moment at the end where she's awkwardly looking across the way at Chris Hemsworth and just sort of standing there, like, teetering on, after getting her crown. Like, is this the end of the movie or, okay, now? Is it, or is it now? Um, We're all thinking it. They endow her. Those dwarves endow her with such power because yeah. of those actors. And what you said, Tom, about uh, whatever that statement you said, and I'm going to lift it out of this podcast, about how they conspire with the CG. They're also conspiring together to make her into a better better character and uh, and make us believe her and i love that that i don't know how rupert sanders did it i don't know who got these guys together but it makes it work so beautifully and and you're right that that um, that is such an emotional payoff there and then when you see them at the end in that coronation scene uh, as awkward as she is when you get to see the dwarves standing there I, i was just like let us see the dwarves let us see the dwarves i was so excited about that what do you think of that kelly wand what was he i wasn't listening (laughs) <laughs> one, two, three, why don't you and me Got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between Counting one, two, three, Peter Pan, Mary Kelly Wand, what's the best Charlie's Theron movie you've seen all year? Uh, Three Days in the Valley <laughs> That was her first movie, wasn't it? Like yeah, she'd done sequel. nothing before that's that sequel to Two Days in the Valley? Oh, yeah Now Wait. I'm confused it's not a very good thing. It's just bonus for a loop. Take uh, all right. So, uh, nice two Young adult? Is that, was that this year? <laughs> oh, Ah, sorry. there you go. Yeah, well, in the oh, last Can year. I just say one more thing about Snow White? Sure, just don't spoil anything. Oh, I won't, but there's this beautiful song in the middle by Iona... Oh, yes! Gika, I think is her name. And it's called Gone. And it starts with a dwarf singing and then it goes into her singing oh, I love that song so much and how about the musical number in John Carter how did it compare uh, who was that Florence and the Machine <laughs> that's authentic music from the 1880s it was playing you guys didn't recognize it off the gramophones little barsoom tunes yeah <laughs> barsoom tunes you didn't like it when they stood on the thing and it showed on the map of the solar system you didn't think that was kind of like uh, wondrous in, are you talking about in uh, Prometheus yeah no, no. it's Snow White <laughs> Kelly Wan what is this week's 3x3 three three? 
Three best audience member reactions. Hmm. Wait, is that what I said? Just now. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, it works for Three me. Three best audience reactions. They don't have to be a member. They to can a just member. Be a visitor. Right. They can be an escort of a member of the audience or an usher who was in the audience. All right. Uh, let's see. Dingus will be introducing next week's 3x3, so he starts us off. Dingus, what do you think of this list, and what's your number three pick? You're welcome, slaves. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorites, but I left it off. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Oh. Oh, wait. So um, can, yeah, that's. I guess, are we allowed to, as audience member reactions, use things that our friends have said? I hope so, I have, that's my number three. All right. Oh. I was a little annoyed by this because we've told I've told many of these stories already, and um, and this list. No offense, Kelly Wand, but it didn't let me. It didn't give me the excuse of watching movies. Yeah, this list has nothing to do with the movies themselves. And usually, a, a three by three may, forces me to go through my movie collection or go online and find something on Netflix that's streaming and watch it to to find little bits. And then I I accidentally end up watching a whole movie that I w- wasn't intending to watch, and that's a wonderful thing. But the, you know, I, I apologize wanna, for not wasting more of your time. I know, but at the same time, it it is enjoyable to me to to look back and and think through these things. Well, so, the upshot uh, of this, Dingus, is you got to finish Kingdom of Heaven, the the eight hour director's cut. I think you need to put a sigh before that when you say it. <laughs> it's no <sighs> Prometheus. Yeah. He didn't watch that, did he? He did, yeah. Because you didn't give him any other assign- homework this week, so he finished Kingdom of Heaven. That's why he's mad at me. <laughs> uh, look what Kelly Wand did. He just I'm, I'm not mad at you. Uh, I'm just right. grousing. I'm not mad at you. It's, it's, a yeah. fine, it's a fine topic, Kelly Wand. That's like in uh, John Carter when she goes, I didn't run away, I escaped. <laughs> That's dialogue. How about that? Yeah. That Michael Chabon, ladies and gentlemen. See? <laughs> hey, Sola, you stay on the boat. I'm going to jump up here with the hot chick. See ya. <laughs> he knew they were father-daughter because he buried a daughter a long time ago. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Chabon. <laughs> he fought for the Confederacy, <laughs> which is where he learned his humanity. Okay, anyway... um, Whose turn is it? Okay, so Dingus, yeah, what is your number three pick for this? Maybe give us a quote. (laughs) All right, here's a quote from, here's the actual thing this audience reaction member said. Sir, your son is really distracting everyone. Will you please keep him quiet? (laughs) Wait a minute. That sounds familiar. Now, Dingus, this... Go ahead, finish. What, what, it's, already, I don't, it's already gone off the rails for you, Tom. I actually don't remember the movie. because your son is distracting. This could be any movie. I've said this many times. I don't remember which particular one this was. But go ahead, Dingus. I think I know. I think I was present when this happened. I believe you were. Uh, you're the one who said it. It is was during the movie The Avengers. Ah, yes. It was during the opening weekend of The Avengers in a packed theater. And... Um, I can't tell you how grateful I am that I have a friend like Tom who uh, takes movies seriously and says that. Because I had to lean forward during Snow White and the Huntsman to this babbling group of teenage girls sitting in front of me who were holding up their phones and taking pictures of the screen and saying, would you cut it out with your cell phone? Oh, my God. Why? uh, Why? Because they're idiots. And they were just giggling and talking. And I was totally taken by the i was just i was 
falling into the movie and they're holding up their phones to take pictures of it, which is kind of ruining it for me. So I told them to cut it the fuck out without saying the word fuck. Uh, and they did. They stopped. Um, so anyway, uh, during the Avengers, in the fir- for about the first 10 to 15 minutes, and this is a huge pet peeve of mine because I have a seven-year-old kid. And I do not take him to movies he should not be going to. Not only movies that he's not prepared to see appropriate level, so like a PG-13 movie, I don't think he's ready for in a movie theater. That's just where I stand as a parent. But also movies he's not prepared for the content of. And there's a guy sitting behind us who had a a little kid with him. He He was like five or six years old, I'm thinking. And this kid was talking full voice for the entire first 10 to 15 minutes just asking who's that guy is that a bad guy what's he doing where's the hulk i mean just in a full voice and in a packed theater and his father was answering the questions for him as well as he could and i would give the guy a look and he'd just give me a look like what am i supposed to do um and finally tom said the thing i said at the beginning sir your your son is really distracting everyone please keep him quiet and i was just grateful for this because the last look i gave the guy the guy like pointed at the door like i I don't know what the guy's pointing at the door was like you want to take this outside or should i take my son outside i have no (laughs) idea what he was doing but as i was looking back tom said this tom said sir your son is distracting everybody in this theater will you please keep him quiet and for the rest of the movie he was quiet and i was really getting into the avengers and this kid was ruining it for me and again it's not the kid's fault the kid was not ready to be at this movie right and because when I go to the movies, um, I leave my kid at home or I get a babysitter if I'm going with my wife. And this can cost me up to 80 bucks to go out to the movies. Uh, when I go to a movie and there's a guy who didn't bother to do that and hasn't prepared his son to see a movie like this. I mean, it's one thing if like I took my, my son to see Tangled with a bunch of his friends. And and they they talked a little bit, but it was a room, uh, a movie theater full of kids on a Saturday afternoon. This is a, a nighttime show of an opening weekend movie and the kids talking the whole time. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. I'm uh, <laughs> I, I love this audience member reaction because it reminds me of my dad because my dad was never uh, shy about telling somebody to please be quiet or you, you shouldn't have had your kid here. So anyway, bye. Well, you know, that, that was one of my favorite reactions, too, Dingus, because I remember there's, an, there's a way that this escalates. You know, the, there's a process you go through. It starts off with just looks. You know, you make a point of turn around looking at the person so they know that, the, that, the, that either they're being disruptive for their talking. So, yeah, you give them a few looks, and then you say something. And depending on the context, you can either say something quietly where only they can hear it, or you can announce it loudly and kind of make it a public humiliation situation, which is what I – I ended up doing to this poor guy with, I say poor guy. I mean, he was a jerk for inflicting the rest of us, inflicting that on the rest of us and putting his kid in a situation the kid wasn't ready for. But, you know, you, you say it full voice where people around you can hear, where you, you make it an issue, uh, you know, because people are already hearing the kid talking. So at one point when Dingus and I were looking at him, the guy, when he, I, what I thought he was doing, Dingus, was waving at us to stop looking at him and look at the movie. <laughs> it was, he was almost like shooing us with his hand, like, don't look at me, look up there. Uh, yeah, but I remember before saying something, that was that was like his his response to us giving him dirty looks. You're distracting him from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Come so, on, guys. <laughs> so that was that was my number three as well, is that one guy like waving uh, Dingus no, and forward. Wait. Yeah, it was because I remembered. I didn't remember what the movie was. It was him. It was me. Normally, you give someone a dirty look, and they'll either 
you know, they'll pipe down or they'll say something to you like what? And then you say, can you please be quiet? But him waving us away to look at the screen and not at him, I thought was, was an interesting reaction to the dirty looks we gave him. So that was my number three. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Kelly Wand, uh, do you have any? What's your number three? My and, number three is yep. also you <laughs> telling a baby to be quiet. Right. Yeah. And then that one the worked. audience. The audience cheered me. The audience. No, no. I love that you think that. <laughs> I love your revisionism. <laughs> you got cheered against because the mom went, no. shut the fuck up. So, okay, let me explain this story. I think you're missing. I knew Kelly Wan was going to bring this up, and my story sort of preempted that, and I'm so happy right now. So, uh, seeing (laughs) this was maybe whenever Muhammad, uh, no, wait, Muhammad Ali, what was Ali? The the Michael Mann movie with Will Smith, wasn't it called Ali? Oh, so there was a racial charge to the incident. And uh, I went and saw it, I think it was its opening night, it was in Berkeley, uh, and there was a, yeah, there was a baby talking and wailing and didn't want to be there, and it was way in the back of the theater, so, you know, dirty looks weren't going to do any good there. So at one point I yelled out, man, would you please take the baby outside of the theater, and she went, shut up, and the audience cheered, (laughs) the audience cheered. Wait, support of my uh, saying something to this. I'm woman. just curious. I don't know your accents. Was that your? Was that a woman of color that you were doing an, an impression of just there? You know what? I never saw woman. her. I don't know what her ethnicity. Did you do the impression? Did you do what she said again? She went, "Shut up, shut up, motherfucker." No, I don't remember if profanity was involved. This was many years oh. ago. But the audience, yeah, I'm sure the audience just cheered the fact that people were <laughs> yelling at each other. Uh, like, I think it was just this. No, Tom. No, it was. What's the show where uh, the, the show where, where, where the reality show where, like, people come on and uh, get in fights because so-and-so cheated with such-and-such and they throw chairs at each All other? Every reality show. Yeah, right. it was just that kind of response. Like, oh, those people are, are in, a, in a ruckus. No. They're having a dining room. Tom, in the United States, the cheers yeah. are always for babies. <laughs> well, I didn't yell at the baby. I was like, no, man, you may as well have I murdered a baby. If a dude kicks a baby off the Empire State Building and it lands on you and then it shits in your mouth, you go to jail, not the baby. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's, uh, save that for the legal podcast that we I guess the It would have been awesome if Tom had said, baby, shut up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. The one white guy is yelling at everyone. <laughs> Uh, I actually thought that that was the premise for this three by three. Uh, I sort of figured. I knew I was missing an awesome detail of that anecdote, and I it was totally worth wrangling all this other shit into the three by three just to find out that it was at Ollie that this happened. <laughs> That's because, the perfect because you know, of the you know, right. racial undertones. Are you saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. just like a different dynamic, <laughs> and you going, yeah, I got I got allies here. <laughs> Break either way. If a riot breaks out, I got half of this crowd on my side because I'm arched. Uh, all right, so those are our number threes. On to our number two choices. Uh, Dingus, I think you're up. Tie for three. What? What's that, Kelly? One. All of them involved you. Yes. So far, I, yeah. I have been uh, America's uh, favorite audience member. I mean, I, I, I realize that I'm being like the crotchety old dick, but I, I no. swear to God, when people talk and are like, I just that drives me crazy in a movie. I'm no, so scared because people get they, people got stabbed for. Hey, can you please be quiet? Like they got stabbed in a movie and then the people got away. 
so they didn't even catch the stabbers. Did you hear about that, like in Long Beach or something? Yeah, but that's not that. How many? That, that's yeah. I, I have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than being stabbed. Maybe I'll get punched, but I doubt I'll get stabbed for this. You know, usually I just ask as if it's it's sort of it's. Could you please not do that? I mean, I just like. Could you please right. not use your cell phone right now? And and they they're embarrassed. It's almost always right. They're they're embarrassed and they they cut it out because they think I'm just going to do this and until somebody stops me right. and nobody bothers to stop them. And most of the time, when you say, "Will you please just keep it down?" I, it embarrasses them. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna I I'm gonna put this one as my number two. I just changed my number two now that things. Uh oh. Well, there's a whole protocol too okay. to uh, like you state the case, then you then you uh, you present a possible solution. Like there's this whole comp- protocol to confrontation. So when you say, "Sir, your your son is being distracting," you please ask him not to talk. You know, you're stating the case. This is the situation. Your son is being distracted. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you're you're giggling, but there's there there really are like rules to de-escalating a confrontation to not making it about being aggressive. Uh, it, Wave a handkerchief, white handkerchief, as you said. <laughs> but really, you say, look, sir, shut, shut that kid up. That's one thing. I mean, that's that's the subtext of what I'm saying, but right. how you present it is important. I present, Please shut that kid up. Well, I present that it's distracting me, and I present a solution for him. You know, I'm not saying you're a terrible father. I'm not saying you're a jerk. I'm not saying your son should shut up. I'm saying I have a problem with this. Here's how you can help me. Uh, and I realize that might sound a little milk toast, but there really is a way you can approach people with this without being overly confrontational. Uh, so, and and I I think it's valuable to do that in movies because I can't count the number of times uh, when we've had threads about this or or when I've gotten in discussions about this with people who say that I don't go to the movie theaters anymore because I don't want to deal with this shit and I'm not the kind of person who can talk. I I can't be confrontational about this right and tom's absolutely right there's there's a way to do it that works appropriately and because my dad always did that when we were going to the movies when i was growing up i'm really going to do it because it costs a lot of money to go to the movies and i love being there and it usually is the highlight of my week (laughs) sorry it's 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 just one of those things i i sit down in the movie theater like with snow white and the huntsman and the credits roll up and i feel myself relax i feel myself start finally to something good's happening to me well i there are a lot of things that are good happening to me but i just feel myself ready oh, to so let go great. and i'm not going to let some teenager ch- taking pictures with her phone ruin that for me i'm just not going to let that happen because this is two and a half two hours out of my life and these are important two hours for me i can't get them back so I, I, instead of my number two, let me just bring this up because I do. I had a this guy was my hero. Uh, I was in a movie once and I wasn't there. I don't even remember what the movie was, but there were some kids in the front seat who were uh, looking at their cell phones, and uh, I think I came into the movie like after the trailers or, or at some point. I, for whatever reason, I didn't hear the pretext to what this exchange was. But then there was an older guy, and he was a big guy too, sitting behind them. And the kids had their cell phones out and they were looking at something. And at one point I saw the guy, I heard the guy lean, well, I saw the guy lean forward and he said to the kids down there, and he wasn't pulling any punches, he said, I already asked you nicely once not to do that. <laughs> I was like, whoa. And they, my they, were, mouth. <laughs> yeah. they were definitely cowed. And I was like, wow, that guy's cool. You know, fight breaks out, I'm going to help him. <laughs> But I loved that he, uh, you know, that he was like Mr. Badass about it, and I'm all Mr. Like weak, limp-wristed Wah. diplomat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please, you're steaming up my glasses. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> but I love that. I've already asked you once. Do they kick sand in your face? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Get out of my Ollie screening, motherfucker. <laughs> no, that's not what happens. There's no sand in a movie theater. All right, enough about uh, people talking in movies. Kelly Wan, what do you have for your no- or no, wait, Dingus, what do you have for your number two pick that doesn't involve me telling someone to shut the F up? All right, if if I were to tell you uh, my favorite, my second favorite audience reaction was two people walking out of a movie, what would that make you think? <laughs> uh, irreversible, phase seven. Phase uh, seven. All, all right. right, so the three of us went to see this great, great, I think it's from Argentina, uh, yep. this, mo- this movie, Phase Seven. It's this, this sort of post-apocalyptic kind of a movie about two people who get stuck in a, an apartment during a disaster. And and the movie takes its time to get where it's going, and uh, it was extremely limited release. I got the, I luckily I got to see it with Kelly and Tom, and there were two other people in the theater. It was only playing at one theater, like at one at ten p.m. on a Wednesday night. That's the only time it was playing because of the weird release schedule that AMC was doing. And uh, this couple just got fed up, and they got up and they walked out. And then the most awesome thing happened that was going to happen in the movie. This great bit of action just exploded on the screen the moment they hit the door. And the and it, it was just such a great moment for me and for the three of us. And we laughed for about five minutes because of the juxtaposition of, okay, we're leaving. And then finally something happened that was action-worthy. And I just love that audience, the, that dual audience reaction. Those people's like, okay, we're done with this. And then something happens. It's like the movie was like, hey, have those people left? All right, now we're going to start the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's critiquing them. Uh, it really, I, as a guy who has sat far too long through far too many awful movies when I should have left, I, I, there's something that I'm so fascinated about when people leave a movie. Yeah, me too. I love that. I love I nothing more than noting, oh, okay, so they've had enough and they're out of here. That's, that's what, that's their threshold. Uh, <laughs> I love that no, sort with, of thing. With Tree of Life, it was easy to tell. Like when the uh, okay, the watch. universe starts uh, expanding, ten people left in in various trickling amounts. But too they, big they for me, going, March. Going. But these two people, for them to leave at that particular moment, and then there's this awesome bit of shotgun blast. Oh, I I love that so much. All right, so a little uh, Phase Seven people bailing. People leaving Wan. is Dingus's. Yep, second, people leaving. No longer becoming, re- turning in their audience credentials. So my number two, uh, I don't know what to do with my list now. I've got several things. Okay, I actually wasn't here for this one, but it was passed along to me uh, by someone. So this one's I'm hearing about it third hand. Uh, I, I love when like a movie when a movie is terrible and I don't care about it. Like it's okay if people are talking or being disruptive i mean i get a little hypocritical at some point because if i hate the movie go ahead fine disrupt it what do i care uh, i wasn't here for this example of it but in one of those volcano movies there's a point where uh, a woman like a a crack in the earth opens and there's lava underneath it and a woman straddling the crack is that volcano or the one with pierce brosnan or dante's peak Dante, yeah it's one of those volcano movies i think it's the one that's in la that the more ridiculous one the heck was Anne that? H. Volcano. Just called oh, it's called oh, Volcano, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's so the one where they all got ash on their faces at the end. You're supposed to go, oh, look, racism's dead because of the volcano. <laughs> wow. 
Wow, that's all I didn't know it was that deep. I've actually never yeah. seen it, but I heard at one point that a, a, a crack in the earth opens and there's lava and a woman is straddling the crack. And my friend said that when he saw it and that happened, someone in the audience yelled, she's going to get lava in her cooch. <laughs> now, I would have loved to have been there for that. <laughs> was this the same audience that booed you at Ali? It sounds kind of similar. In, in, <laughs> they just go from theater to theater. Yeah. I would follow that white boy home. It was the same year. She's gonna... Get lava. I got to write this down. And... That's one to remember. That's one for the ages. Yeah. It's true. She did. <laughs> All right. But so then a guy get a guy teabags a lava later. The uh, <laughs> you know, uh, is that the one where the guy melts into the lava? Yeah, that's what I'm a talking about. puddle of yeah, because I've seen that. And uh, there was some article that a guy wrote about the effects of what lava actually I, I does and how stupid it is. Yeah. So that's where I saw the scene of the guy melting down into the. They don't pool. show the melting part. You just see him going out of frame, and you're like, God damn, it's cheap. <laughs> At least lava in the cooch. I got some CG crisps. <laughs> All right, so that's my number two pick. Kelly Wan, what have you chosen for your number two favorite audience reaction? Oh, okay. My number two. Remember in Forrest Gump when uh, he's running around the country and a guy follows him with a pen and goes, Hey, say something interesting. And, the guy, and Forrest Gump goes, Have a nice day. And then the guy's like, wow. And so, like, that's how we, that got started. Mm-hmm. And there's another part right after that, like, like the next shot is the same guy or different guy, like, gives him a, uh, like, a T-shirt to wipe the mud off of his face. And then when he pulls it off, like, the mud's in a happy face smear. So he invented that, too. And then I heard a chick in the audience across me go, oh, my God. Like, she couldn't believe <laughs> That was my he reaction. Also, to it. He also steps in in poop. Yeah, he invented that too. <laughs> it happens. Uh, all right, that's a good one, Kelly Wan. <laughs> what I like is is that Kelly Wan started this with remembering Forrest Gump, and Tom's supposed to remember that. <laughs> Wait, why Tom? <laughs> Tom doesn't. He's I no. I could not care less about Forrest Gump. Wow. Forrest Gump is awful, isn't it? Come on, back me up on this, Kelly Wand. He's an American hero. That's not what I asked. He's a war hero. Answer the question, sir. He uh, gives us all hope for the future. Not an answer. Not an answer to the question that was presented to you. He was the one who invented uh, Einstein's theorem that life in a box of chocolate. You know what, Kelly Wand? I'm just going to assume you're pleading the fifth. When you are asked if Forrest Gump is or is not awful, you are pleading the fifth. You are you are invoking your Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate yourself. I may not know what the Fifth Amendment is, but I know what love is. <laughs> uh, all right, so where are we? Is it Kelly Wan's number? No, that was Kelly Wan's number two pick for best audience reaction. Are we down to our number one picks already? I haven't been taking notes. Yes, yeah, so- that's number two, Tom. Thank you. Dingus, what is your number one choice for a favorite audience reaction? All right, this is my absolute favorite audience reaction of all times. Uh, and I, I think I've told this story before. So um, this is when I went to see Silence of the Lambs. It came out in 1991, and I was super excited to see it. And I was seeing it in a packed theater. And uh, there's a moment 
in Silence of the Lambs, spoiler alert, where James Gum is trying on his woman's suit, and he's tucked his junk down between his legs, and he's putting on his woman's suit, and he's dancing, and he's saying, I'd fuck me. And uh, a woman behind me said at that moment, stranger than fiction. <laughs> what? Really? That's pretty good. Awesome. Wait, why did you sandbag that one all these years? We've done, done the podcast for three years, and that one's pretty I've heard that I've one. I've told it probably five times, but that's why I loved this, because I knew you wouldn't remember it. Uh, <laughs> it's new to Kelly Wand, yeah. <laughs> so it was, and it was in a southern accent, because I saw it in Virginia. Um, and uh, it was just great hearing her say at this very dramatic moment, and it's creepy, so creepy, and just hear this, this southern voice from behind me go, stranger than fiction. Fiction's so strange. It sounds the lambs. Uh, all right, my number one pick. Uh, it also involves some accent work that I'll I'll try to include here. Um, again, this is me telling a guy to basically shut the f up. But, but this <laughs> did guy you just do was, it every movie? I, if, it, if it requires it, yeah. Actually, the movie I even remember. Okay, so it was Children of Men. And sitting right next to me in Children of Men, there was a, a younger fella who had brought obviously his older. I presume his father, uncle, or whatever, uh, and he seemed a little exasperated by the guy because the guy kept talking to him, saying things to him during the movie. Uh, and at one point, the guy said to his son or whatever, and he's sitting right next to me, he said, that Michael Caine's crazy. He'd be acting crazy. That's why they give him those Academy Awards. And at that point, I leaned over because he'd been saying things like this. I just remember that was the final straw. I leaned over and was like, sir, could you please stop talking? It's really distracting. And his response was this very avuncular, kind, gentle. He almost shamed me. He sort of patted me on the arm and was like, oh, yeah, you just relax now, young fella. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. You can't turn it around on me like that. <laughs> but he fluffed your hair and gave you a... But he didn't talk anymore. So, But he the thing is, he was just like some older fella who wasn't used to seeing movies in the theater. And he was just like so understanding when I said that. And he gave me just this weird paternalistic little reassurance uh and i just thought that was odd how old were you uh when did children of men come out when you were 13 <laughs> and that man was my dad <laughs> no <laughs> you know what it kind of goes with the title of the movie very good kelly wand very nice yes see what i did that is a great father's day movie Oh, are you paying today's... Right, see? All right, so Kelly Wan, what is your number one pick for a favorite audience reaction? I took this chick to see um, Taxi Driver, because it's a good date movie. (laughs) But we got there late, so we got seated, just as it's the scene where he takes Sybil Shepard to see that Swedish porn film. You came into Taxi Driver that late. Yeah. Kelly Wand. I was running late. I'll say. And the date got, she got mad at me at at the same time Sybil Shepard got mad at Travis Pickle and then made us leave at the end of that scene. And so you, did you then shoot Harvey Keitel? No, I haven't seen the rest of the movie. <laughs> so you were going out on dates in 1976? That's- <laughs> no, it was a revival. Oh. Well, Yeah. I remember my first date at Star Wars. 
Mine was that Bee Gees uh, Sergeant Pepper's movie thing. That's a good date movie. Yeah, and I remember putting my arm around her, and then later, many years later, well, not many years later, months later or whatever, hearing that I had done it wrong, and she was very uncomfortable, and I was pulling her neck done too hard. Put my arm around her. Like, I had my arm around her, and then later I heard through the grapevine that she was complaining because it was uncomfortable, and I was, like, pulling her neck too much, because I didn't know I mean, how to put my arm around someone. That's not that complicated. That's what you were doing wrong? Apparently. I thought you meant you had sex with her and you did that wrong, but you were talking about putting an arm around it. You fucked that up. I, that's I, not even first base. I did, yeah, I didn't even. I was screwing things up well before first base. Yeah, that's like uh, that's batting cage. That's 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 tripping on the way out of the batting cage, Kelly Wand. Exactly, and falling right on your face. I love it when you do sports analogies. <laughs> Thank you. Leslie Montgomery didn't love it. Was that her name? That was his her name. name. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, Leslie Montgomery. She had braces. It was adorable. I was that age, and I, I screwed up putting my, my uh, arm around her. I've since practiced a lot, though. I think I've What did you practice on? You? you know, like a, a pillow. Right. A pillow yeah. and... Uh, with her face on it? I drew her face on it with a marker. Here's Leslie Montgomery's face. It's an improvement in some ways. And I watch, you know, I do it watching that Bee Gees movie, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts right. Club Band. And, uh, and a clockwork orange way, it's an aphrodisiac for you. <laughs> That's gross. Did All right, you... runners up. Oh, wait, did we do everyone? Yeah, we've done everyone, so now runners up. Uh, how when about I... booing at the end of Limbo? <laughs> what? I love that. Yeah, when I went to see Limbo in a movie theater, which is a John Sayles movie, one of those like... Why did you boo? Oh, how dare you. Uh, I remember the, someone I saw it with, they, they just let out a full voice, boo. Um, Somebody you saw it with? Well, in the theater. It wasn't it wasn't anybody I knew. I, wouldn't, oh, I thought it was one of your party. I wouldn't be trucking with anybody like that. Yeah. All right. And, uh, yeah, you know, generally, like, movies that have those provocative endings, you can hear sort of rustling or disaffected sighs. Um, but, yeah, at Limbo, someone uh, let out a full-voiced boo. I just like uh, there's there's a a huge guy at one of the showings of um, Martha Marcy May Marlene where he just threw up his hands like oh I- <laughs> that was Kelly Wand. <laughs> mm, I I had a guy like that too, and it w- there was a whole audience of them at uh, Serious Man. That's a good movie to like watch people watching it. Also, uh, remember that Star Wars ripoff, uh, Star Crash, from 1978, Tom? <laughs> I'm afraid I don't. Something blew up, and then a kid in the audience went, that's why they call it Star Crap. And then everybody laughed, and then I thought, really? That's all it took to make you guys? Back then, we hadn't really discovered humor. Easy but, room. Yeah. Humor was still in flux, and it was being developed at, at that point. Uh, I loved what you guys did at the end of Hannah. Dingus reminded me of that. I, I loved that audience reaction. Uh, you know, the, the final title card comes up. Although, I actually think it was just Kelly Wand. Although, I, I, I could sort of feel the same sentiment from Dingus. But as soon as Hannah ended, Kelly Wand went, God damn it, Tom. <laughs> that was great. Because we couldn't talk about it until the podcast. I presume. Either that or maybe he just hated it. You know what? You did hate Hannah, so... Yeah, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> right. It's irritating. And now you and you liked it then, but then later on you went, All right, enough about not liking Hannah. Yeah. Stop not liking Hannah. <laughs> you and your goddamn I liked it when you goddamn it. Didn't you didn't you say that? Yeah. I was just quoting you. It's not like I was actually cussing. Uh, 
Yeah, you never. Right. And Hannah has a great, a great. It's just like this huge title card ending. Yeah. Very. So it was a yeah, great very abrupt, very in your face. Yeah, very. Yeah, punctuation. You guys only like movies about uh, women's. That's why you didn't like John Carter, but you like Snow White. And you like Hannah. Yep. Ah, good point. How about that? That's why you're going to like Brave. That's why we don't like ugh, Prometheus. No, it's about women's. Mm, not really. They're just in the way. Although it's named after a dude. It's true. And a ship. A dude and a ship. But ship or women, Kelly Wand. Don't but you know the that? The ship blows up. Right. Yeah, it's a, gr- it's a female ship named Prometheus. It's a good point. It's very, very. The ship has a lot of gender confusion issues to work out, and maybe Ridley Scott will explore that in the next movie. Uh, Dingus, what do you have for us for next week's three by three? Can I? Can we do a couple other runners up? Oh yeah, 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 more runners up. Yep. Oh, one of my favorites is when I went to see the movie The Matrix at Man's Chinese. It was packed, and before The Matrix, I think it was the. It might have been one of the Star Wars re-releases. I'm not sure, but it was the the preview for the 13th floor. Do you remember that? Oh, that's Ma- for you. Yeah. The Matrix competitor, 13th floor, which is. Uh, no, I can't remember the guy's name. Roland Emmerich? Roland Emmerich? Was, did he direct that? I don't I know. Uh, anyway, at the end of the preview, somebody in the audience just yelled, Rent it! And that made me laugh. <laughs> and then when I saw Paranormal Activity 3, uh, the guy sitting next to me was this uh, total poor man's Kelly Wand. Um, and I was sad that I couldn't see it with Kelly Wand and... Tom Chick. It, we just it didn't work out. But the the kid sitting next to me was if you remember the guy who drove the awkward Jetta in Fast and the Furious, the first movie. He was kind of that kid. Uh, he was he was just this dopey kid. He was an idiot. So he was like the idiot version of Kelly Wand. Uh, and I love sitting next to Kelly and Tom in a movie because that makes me happy. Like Conan, Conan the Barbarian is one of my favorite experiences because I got to laugh the whole time because of what Kelly was saying. But this guy was just an idiot version, but he was he was adorable because then. So at one point he said, did you see that? When there's the... <laughs> yeah, that's how I thought. There's the, there's the, sheet, the sheet gag. Did you see that? In case people in the audience weren't looking. In case they were right. like checking their messages or something at that point. <laughs> and then the, the babysitter does something or other and he goes, oh, hell no, bitch is stupid. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, and the, I, I like the, the guy. For, I like the guy from the first comment. I don't like him anymore, Dingus. Yeah, oh, we, well, you'll hate him now because the final thing he said, and I and I said this when we did our mini review, of, uh, Paranormal Activity Three, is that there's this the 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 patented oh the sheets moving moment in Paranormal Activity Three, and it does it over the young Katie, and uh, and he goes, she just got raped by a ghost. Oh, I don't like this guy. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't make your list. He was awful. Uh, Dingus, I have to say, when we saw Moonrise Kingdom, there was some uh, there was a minor fumble with the, the tickets, so I didn't mind, but I had to sit somewhere across the theater from from you and our friends. Uh, there were times in Moonrise Kingdom that I loved knowing that I could hear you laughing. Like, I could hear a Dingus laugh from across the room, and even though we weren't sitting next to each other, it was very... It was like we were, like, echolocating each other, kind of. <laughs> very nice. Uh, I also loved Dingus, and I'd forgotten about this until you just now mentioned the, your friend and paranormal activity. When we saw the reader, and I don't remember what oh, led what? to it. <laughs> yeah, so Dingus and I went and saw the Gee, reader. Thanks and, for not inviting me. 
Well, for some reason, what had the director done before? I guess he did The Hours. I guess for whatever reason, yeah. Stephen Daldry, isn't that his name? For whatever reason, I didn't hate that guy yet. And I guess maybe I liked – I guess I'd heard good things about it. Or you know what? I think it's because it was up for an Academy Award. We finally went to see it at a little art house theater, and something happened at the end. Like, I was losing patience with it. By the time it was over, I thought it was so stupid. And something had happened at the end where Dingus and I were just giggling uncontrollably at something that wasn't supposed to be funny, but we just both knew that neither of us cared for the movie and had completely lost interest in it. And it was the sort of thing where we were in a full theater and it seemed like most of the people were into it. So I was really trying hard not to laugh out loud, but I could feel the seat shaking because Dingus was giggling and that made me giggle more. And it, uh, you know, I started like making a snorting noise because I was trying not to giggle and hold it in. And, uh, and it just made the seat shake more, which made Dingus laugh more. But there was some weird like giggle chain reaction that happened at the end of the reader which was, for me, the best thing about that movie. You guys have issues. <laughs> Tom did get mad at me for flipping off the uh, movie, though. Oh, that's right. And then after, yeah, that was just that was just crass. See, what we did was kind of like like cute and fun. But once you, you brought vulgarity to it, Dingus, that was, that was beyond the pale. I agree. <laughs> you jumped the shark on the meat cute. <laughs> uh, all right, Kelly Wand, what is, oh, no, Dingus, what is next week's 3 by 3 what do you got for us? Hmm. That's a really good question. Uh-oh. All right. Next week's 3x3 three three is your favorite use of a photograph still in a movie. Hmm. Do you need to elaborate? Just like, because uh, I'm already thinking of a couple things. Like, What about you- a daguerreotype? All right. So, you know, John Carter, they, they have pictures of him. Or, you know, in movies, you might see an actual photograph. Uh, I'm not talking about... Movies that use... We're not going to do Ken Burns documentaries here. Okay, that's what I'm wondering. No, no. I want a specific photograph. I like A specific photograph that you're talking about. So um, somebody might have a picture and they they show it. Kelly, why why can't you particular still. Why can't you come up with stuff like Dingus just came up with? Wait, so Back to the Future is off the table. Come on, see? Like, that's a cool... Well, whether it's cool or not, like, there's... There's, uh-huh. I, Dingus, Dingus restores my faith that there are still good three by threes to be come up with. I, Wait, I, I had a good one last time. I thought not this one, but uh, your courthouse room one was very no, good. I did okay. like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know there are still some left. Uh, I promise and, I'll only have good ones for the rest of. The I, you know what, Kelly? Wand, I even when you do bad ones, it's uh, it's worth considering. It's not. It is. Come on, these were great. Some of these were great. This was awesome. Come on, lava in her cooch. We never would have brought that up. <laughs> when when were we ever going to talk about volcano? It's your three by three that brought that to us. I don't need your pity. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome, slaves. <laughs> uh, all right. So next week, there we go. Uh, best uses of a photograph in a movie. We will be seeing. Uh, well, it I know. Tantalizing. It does. It does sound tantalizing. <laughs> Lots of opportunities there. We will be seeing Abraham Lincoln colon Vampire Hunter. That will be the official movie of the podcast. But I should warn folks, there might possibly be a little sidebar about Brave. I'm not sure. But I know the majority of the people on this podcast will have seen Brave and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. But just to let you know, if you want to do your homework, the official movie of next week's podcast is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. The 3x3 is best uses of a photograph in a movie. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Merslovsky. It's Christian Murawski. And Kelly Wand.
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, before we taped the Goon podcast, I hadn't realized you're probably the biggest hockey fan I've ever met in my life. Uh-huh. And I was just wondering how you feel about the L.A. Kings winning the pennant, and did they erase the curse of the Bambino, you feel? I would say yes. She keeps away well, that's an answer I enjoyed here. <laughs> Tom's a big Heat fan, so he was really upset. Is there really is that the extent of the Ken anecdote? Is uh, LA's resurgence and uh, it's our interest in hockey? No, I just didn't have anything good. They were an eighth seed. An eighth seed. Tom, what's that mean to you? Eighth seed. That means there were seven seeds before it. Uh, I'd say see Snow White high with a hoe, but I don't want people to think that'll help. We promised gold, and what do we get? Poo.